0: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCatHome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening.
1: All right. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome. My name is Bryce. I'm the student ministry director here at OCC. I'm really excited to be sharing the message with you tonight. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that many of you served in a service project yesterday. So we had a service project at our church property, uh, which was really exciting that a lot of people come clear out. Yeah, go ahead and clap for everyone who came out. That was great. We're really excited about the continued developments that have been happening at our church property. So thanks, uh, church property. So thanks to everyone, uh, for doing that. Uh, One thing I want to mention since I'm here. So I am the director of our student ministry, and we have a great group of students. So if you are a student in between the ages of 7th grade to 12th grade or you're a parent and you have students that are that age, I just want to formally invite you. We would love to have your students come check us out. We meet on Wednesday nights, 630 to 830 in our backyard. And it's just a lot of fun during the teenage years, especially. There's just a lot of need for a good group of students who are seeking to really put God first and grow in their faith. And so we have that. We have great leaders um, who are you know, well qualified and would love to invest in your students. So we invite you out to that. You can come meet me at the table. I'd love to talk to you more about our student ministry and just formally invite you. Um so tonight we're continuing on in our message series through the book of Acts. We've been talking about this verse that's right behind me, Acts one eight, which is kind of a summary of the entire book of Acts, and it says this but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth, and the book of Acts kind of tells the story of how this verse and this command that Jesus gives, this happens over the course of the book of Acts. Um, and tonight what we're focusing on, and we'll be in chapter four, um, tonight what we're focusing on is their boldness that grew from their deep convictions that the disciples and the apostles had. And right now is a time where people have a lot of deep convictions and a lot of boldness um, that they're willing to act on. For instance, for sports fans. You can check us out. There's a lot of boldness for the Lakers winning the NBA championship. Congrats for the Lakers. And right now, of course, there's the Dodgers that are going on. So Game 7, you're probably watching from home if you're a Dodgers fan. Those of you who are here, very glad you're here, right? But there's a lot of reasons to be bold about that. I'm not much of a baseball or basketball fan, but I do love the Dallas Cowboys. I grew up in Texas. They are America's team, and if you're curious about that, you can Google it, (laughs) and Google will tell you the truth, okay? But there's the Dallas Cowboys, and especially this guy, my man, Dak Prescott, injured, but he'll get his payday one day, so Dak Prescott. But if you're not a sports fan, you may have other strong convictions about things like toppings on pizza, okay? Believe it or not, there's some boldness about this. The first one is maybe mushrooms and olives, if you can't tell. Those tend to be divisive. Kids, do you guys like mushrooms, olives on your pizza? <laughs> all right, there's a few, a few faithful. All right, what about this next one, pineapples? Oh, there's quite the division out there <laughs> over pineapples. I discovered this, so I love, first of all, pineapples are delicious, and when you put them on pizza, it's a great combo. I didn't realize that this was so divisive, but okay, I can I can deal with this. Okay, this next one, by the way. This next one, there's two images on here, right? And you may be wondering, what is what is Bryce talking about? Okay, this is you find out your first year marriage. I've been married for seven years. I have two kids, by the way, Levi and Scotty, my wife Shelby. Um, and, you know, the first one is you realize that people squeeze the toothpaste tube from different places, you know? If you love chaos, then you squeeze it from the middle. <laughs> and if you like order, then you squeeze it from the bottom. Or if you're wondering, what does Bryce have a uh, a dishwasher up there for? It's because... If you didn't know, there's a right way to load the dishwasher. Yes, that's right. And if you didn't know that, then maybe your spouse or someone will tell you later on. But our, uh, so there's different levels, though, and our different levels of boldness about it depends on how deep our convictions are about any of these things. So our boldness comes from convictions. When we're bold about things, especially in the face of difficulty, you know, it comes from our convictions and our convictions come from what we believe to be true and where we set our hope. That's where our convictions really come from. It's what we believe to be true about a situation or circumstance and where we set our hope on how things are going to get better, how things are going to improve. And the reason why we're talking about this um, and why it's so timely is because most of us, if not all of us, are wrestling with very deep convictions. We're in the middle of a very contentious election season I mean, every YouTube ad, every social media post, you know, there's just everywhere. You can't even escape it. It's hotly contested at all levels, and people have various and differing opinions and convictions about what's going on, and really the hope of how things could get better. We're also in the middle of a pandemic that's affected us all in very many real, tangible ways. In my full-time job, I work at California Baptist University, and I plan events which are in-person activities, which have very much been affected by everything that's been going on. Every time new regulations come out, even just best, best health, um, you know, precautions to take, those all very directly affect my work and what I do. And I know, you know, many of you have been far more affected by everything that's happened over the last few months. Um, and so, This drives us, especially when it's hit so close to home, this drives us to have very deep convictions and be willing to be bold about those convictions. And at first, when this was happening, if you think about months ago, we were all in this together. That's like every, you know, business, everywhere you looked, we're all in this together. I remember, you know, seeing neighbors around and everyone was like, hey, do you need supplies? You know, we've got them. You know, if you need anything, just let me know. I'm, I'm here to help out. I want to help out. But now things just feel a little bit different. Time has taken this toll and it's kind of just created a strain on all of us. And so it's easy to see how we're very divided. We're divided on our convictions, on our political opinions. We're divided on what the problems are exactly that we're facing as well as you know the solutions that it takes in order to solve them, and what the government should do on what people should do and how people should respond. And our hopes for how this changes or how things get better just are very different. But at the same time, there's also this internal struggle that maybe you feel. I've definitely felt this, and it's this. Um, it happens as you read through just story after story, news article after news article, social media posts, you know, news stats about the coronavirus, whatever it is. Um, you know, you read this and you go through this cycle. It's a cycle. It's a mixture of anger, frustration, fear, sometimes even despair. Are things ever going to get better? Are things ever going to change? And it leaves you feeling either just defeated and overwhelmed, or it leaves you just really angry and frustrated about how things are. It's just easy to get swept away in the emotions of the moment. So what actually is true? Is there any hope right now? What are we supposed to do right now? Can God actually help me right now with the fear and frustration that you feel, that we all feel? Is there any hope for the future of our country, for our state? What are we supposed to do? So let's take a look at Acts chapter 4. And as we look at the Bible and grasp it, and as I've studied this this passage over the last few weeks, I've just been amazed about how timely it is and how God just provides the right perspective that we really need. So, chapter 4 in Acts is the continuation of the same story that Pastor Josh talked about last week in chapter 3. And so, to recap what happened um, last week in chapter 3, we have a video. So, kids. You're going to enjoy this. It's one of those great videos that we've been showing. Uh, But check this out, and we'll recap what happened last week in Chapter 3.
0: Stories of the Bible. Peter heals a beggar who can't walk. This is Peter. hey Who was one of Jesus' disciples. Yep! Peter told people about Jesus. Peter and John went to the temple to pray. As they neared the temple... A man who couldn't walk from the time he was born was being carried in. Each day, the man was put beside the temple gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When the man saw Peter and John, he asked them for some money.
1: Please help.
0: Peter said, look at us. The man looked up at them eagerly, thinking that they would give him some money. But Peter said, I don't have any money for you but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Then Peter took the man by the hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Woo-hoo! He jumped up and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, come on! he went into the temple with them all the people saw him walking and heard him praising god
1: Wait, that
0: I think so. when they realized he was the man who couldn't walk who had been sitting outside the gate asking for money they were absolutely amazed wow peter asked the people what's so surprising about this why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power he reminded all of the people that it was god's power who healed this man and encouraged all of them to turn from their sins and follow God with their whole hearts.
1: All right, those are great videos, our kids. My son loves them, and I know many, many do. So that's great. That's a great recap of what happened. And one of the things that, that Pastor Josh focused on was the spiritual power that's in Jesus' name. And he encouraged us all to not wait. Don't wait and miss what God is doing right now. And it was a great encouragement. And then chapter 4 picks up exactly where it left off in chapter 3. So I'm going to go ahead and read um, from Acts 4, chapter 4, verse 1. And it says this, As they were speaking to the people, this is Peter and John, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody, until the next day, for it was already evening, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So what you have here what's going on right here is that the leaders of the Jewish people, they hold significant influence in public life for the Israelites. These leaders, they see the commotion going on, and it says they're greatly annoyed about what's happening and what they're doing. And so they just throw them in jail, and they're going to deal with it in the morning. But at the same time, thousands of people believe their message. It says 5,000 people, which is just pretty remarkable. I mean, that's a small town. That's a lot of people that are responding um, to the message that they're sharing. So let's keep reading, and we'll find out what happens next. So in verse 5, it says this, On the next day their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who are of the high priestly family. So what this is describing here is that they've brought basically all the main leaders now are all together. Maybe there's just a few the previous day, and now all the main ones are there together. And the, the important thing to note that, that now is that the people that have gathered together are some, um, if not many, of the people that tried Jesus not long ago. These same group of people, they put Jesus on trial, and they crucified him. And now Peter and John are on trial Responding to them, knowing what happened to Jesus would require great conviction and great boldness. So let's keep reading in verse seven. And when they had set them in their midst they inquired, By what power or what by what name did you do this? So the leaders they, they put Peter and John before them and they asked him this question, Hey, by what power or by what name did you do this? And we of course know the answer. Of what happened? But I just want to look at their question a little bit. They ask this: these, these two things. By what power and by what name? So power is you know the ability to accomplish something. Clearly, this is something unusual that's happened. Like Josh mentioned last last week, um, you know it's a miracle. It's not a usual. But but some power, some ability to accomplish something and change something, really just took place. And then by what name? Name has this idea of authority. Who really is in charge? Who has the authority to be able to do something like this, to tell a man to get up and walk? Who has the authority to do that? By what name? And Peter responds, and we're going to focus tonight on just one part of his response. He says a lot of really helpful things and really powerful things. Um, But we're going to look at just one main part of his response. Um, So it says that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's empowering him to be a witness, just like this verse behind me says in Acts eight. The Spirit is empowering him, giving him courage to be bold, to be a witness about Jesus. But it says this in verse 10, and this is how Peter responds. He says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. And there is salvation, he says this in verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this verse is where we're going to spend most of the time tonight. And we're going to focus on because I think it's so timely and it is so helpful to give us perspective right now. Um, So, and there is salvation in no one else is what it says. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So first, if you're here today and you're a guest, we're really excited you're here. Um, and this verse is actually really helpful because it sums up um, kind of a real core message and the core message of the whole Bible, of what Christianity really is all about. Many people would say that Christianity is just one religion among many, um, that they're all, you know, different flavors or so of the same thing, that all the same, they all lead to God at some point. Um, And maybe you're there and maybe you're you're, you're wondering or you're searching. You're here because you have this question because you know that things are not as they should be. When you look at the world and everything that's happened, especially the last few months, but even before them, you realize that things are just not as they should be. But at the same time, you may be burdened by guilt yourself. Of all the things that you've done, the things that you've said, the people you've hurt. Maybe you feel this weight of burden on you, this weight of guilt. The Bible calls this sin. And at its core, it's just failing to live up to the holy and right standard that God has set for all of us as the people that he has actually made. And so you're searching something to help ease that guilt. You're looking for some truth to hope in. And if you're like me, then the natural instinct is to think, you know, what are all the things that I need to do? Like, tell me all the good things I need to do. That'll help get the guilt off me that I feel. It'll ease the burden of guilt that I feel. And trust me though, you cannot do enough. You just can't we just cannot possibly do enough good. The debt of sin is just too great for us to bear. So what we need is not more rules to follow and obey. We need a champion. We need a champion. We need someone who can rescue us from the mess and the guilt, the mess that we've made. So God sent us a champion to fight the battle for our greatest need, to overcome sin and death, to save us from our greatest need, God sent us a champion in Jesus. He saw our need, and out of God's great love for us, he sent Jesus to take the guilt and the sin and the punishment that we really deserved. He took that for us. And so now we have the victory over sin and death. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know how he won the victory for us? He didn't win it through political persuasion. He didn't win it through military strength. He won it through costly personal sacrifice. In our greatest need, God send us a champion. So there is salvation in no one else. So if you've never trusted in Christ and made him the boss of your life, then I invite you to come to the prayer tent afterwards or mark on your connection card that you'd like someone to follow up with you. We'd love to talk with you to let you know what it means to really make Jesus the boss of your life and to trust him for salvation and experience true and deep and meaningful life. But the second part about this verse, and you can bring that back up again, Acts 4.12, is that if you are a Christian, maybe you've already nailed this down. Maybe you've trusted in Christ, you've put your faith in Him, and your hope is in Him. Um, And you think, you know, okay, I've done that, Bryce. You know, I've done this, I've committed my life to Him, and He's the boss of my life. But there's actually more to the statement than what we initially realize. Because salvation does, to to our ears, you know, we think of just that, what I just described forgiveness of our sin um, you know personal salvation that I can spend eternity in life with God but that idea was actually just starting to take shape in this different way when this was being preached um, by Peter and John you see when Peter and John made this statement the people at the time would have slightly different expectations because the nation the leaders that Peter and John were addressing in all the nation of Israel they were actually a nation that was in that was under Roman rule they were they had been conquered by another nation. And so they were looking for a different kind of salvation. The salvation that they were expecting was a political or as a military salvation. They were looking for a political or a military champion to deliver them and to save them. In Acts 1-6, which is right before this verse behind me, the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, they looked at him right before he goes up into heaven and they say, hey, This is what they say in verse six. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They didn't understand that Jesus was creating a new kind of community, a new kind of kingdom, a group of people who freely and willingly submitted to Jesus as the king, as the boss, no matter who was in charge of them in government. And things are just difficult right now. Things really are. For all the parents of young kids, you're trying to pay attention right now. trust me, we've been there. We have a one- year old and a three year old and they are crazy and we love them. but it's hard and I'm just I'm glad you're there, just know we're there too. We're with you. and it's been really hard though. If you have older kids, you know right now, elementary, middle school, student age, you know, high school age, and you know your students are online school, maybe you have to they have to be at home trying to stay focused you know on the computer all day while you're at work wondering you know what exactly is going on are they able to focus are they getting disconnected from the internet for the you know hundredth time or whatever it is it's just really hard and if you're in college right now you know it's probably not what you expected your first year of college or your second year maybe your last year of college to be like and it's hard it's disappointing you feel you know am i getting ripped off Or maybe your work has been significantly affected. Maybe you've lost your job. Or maybe, you know, your business has just faced real difficult challenges right now. It is just hard. There's also just the reality of this pandemic. You have to be careful about, you know, being around people or or when you're starting to feel any symptoms, you know, what do you do being cautious and, you know, just wise about how you're approaching situations that you're going to. And there's even more issues that are going on right now. And you think it's easy just to think, you know, someone should do something about this. Someone should help. Someone should really make a difference and change about everything that's going on, everything that we're facing. And so we come back to these two ideas that we started with is what is true? What is really happening? And is there really any hope? Is there something that we really can put our hope in that's sure, that's secure, that's really going to last and endure And how you answer that will determine your convictions about what's really needed right now, what you're really going to be bold about, the convictions that you're really going to speak to and act on is, you know, how you're answering that question right now. But the same thing that was true in the first century is true in the 21st century, that there is salvation in no one else. God knows exactly what's going on in our world. And not only does he know what's going on in our world, he knows what's happening in your life which is just this incredible thing about God, that he can see everything that's happening, but he cares about the daily issues that you face, the cycle that you go through. And God actually has a plan, and he is actually working out a plan. And I want to tell you what that plan ends like. God doesn't leave us hanging. He explains to us what's going to happen. And so I'm going to go to the end of the Bible. This is Revelation 21, and I don't think there's a verse on the screen, so I'm just going to read it to you. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. God is working to renew the earth through the spread of a new kind of kingdom. The salvation that Jesus brings is that he brings this future vision of what God is going to do, and it breaks through into the present. So we find ourselves in this tension point in time where we know what it's going to be like, and we get to experience that to some degree, and it breaks through through the church, through his kingdom. But it doesn't spread through political power or military strength. It spreads through bold witnesses who proclaim with conviction and clear hope that there is salvation in no one else. So yes, things are difficult, and I understand. And things are really hard. But there's a really important question that we have to ask ourselves that will really help us have this anchor right now in this time of difficulty. And it's the same question that Peter and John were asked by the leaders. And it's this, by what power and by what name are you looking for salvation? By what power and by what name are you looking for salvation? Because when we set our hope in God to fix things, to actually bring about the end that he's promising, to make all things new, it helps us to not wig out, it helps us not to freak out in these moments of real difficulty, to not get swept away by every story or social media post or circumstance. It reminds us of what is actually true. And that God is fully in control. He is not surprised about anything that has taken place. Just as he was in control when Jesus was crucified. When Jesus died and then he was raised from the dead. God is bringing about renewal. When we remember that, then our conviction grows on the truth and hope that there is salvation in no one else. And then you can be a bold witness about our true champion, Jesus Christ. We really do. We really do long for renewal, for change, for hope. And people all around us are longing for that same thing. We can actually have, when we recognize this, when we put this as our top priority, and this is our really true only hope, then we can actually have differences in political opinion and not have division at the same time. Because we still have our hope set in the same thing, which is that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Peter and John were convinced that this was true, and so their hope was set on it. They were bold witnesses. And so what happened is that the leaders, they saw that. They saw what was taking place, and they told Peter and John, hey, you know, stop. Don't do that anymore. Don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And then Peter and John, they responded to them in verse 19. They said this, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You see, their conviction and their hope was that there is salvation in no one else. And they were willing to be bold about it. And at this point, this is when they decided, you know what, we're not gonna follow you. We're not gonna follow the authority when you're telling us directly to stop preaching and proclaiming in the name of Jesus. But we really can't have hope in that. But what this doesn't mean, and what I'm not saying, and what you maybe think I'm saying, is it doesn't mean that you don't participate. It doesn't mean that you don't get involved and you don't get engaged. The church especially has a role and responsibility to be salt and light. We as individuals have a responsibility to participate in what's going on. But what it is, and what I'm trying to point you towards, is that there really is hope that you can trust God with the outcome of the election, of whatever it is that's happening. You can actually trust him with the outcome of what's taking place. But there is a lot of wisdom that we need to know what to do and how we should respond. So Pastor Josh actually filmed a video to give some guidance and give some perspective about how we should respond right now. So why don't you take a look?
2: Hey, everyone. Right now, you would pretty much have to be living in a cave to not be aware of the importance of this year's election. Now, honestly, every election matters, and there's a really a long-term impact of elections for all of us, uh, for our kids, for our grandkids, uh, it's vitally important in our country, which we're a constitutional republic. It's really important that every adult fulfills our civic duty through voting. And Christians were actually called by God to be good citizens of whatever country and under whatever government they find themselves living in, and the form of government, and and. This really is a privilege that we have here in the United States, that we're able to play a role in the process and in the outcome of elections. So it's critical that, that you participate intelligently and really prayerfully in this upcoming election. Now, I've often heard and maybe you've read stats regarding the failure of Christians to vote in presidential elections. And so I really want to encourage you to, uh, to participate, to be informed And to vote come election day. Now, if you're a Christ follower, it's really clear that God wants us to focus our lives on some things. One of those things, areas of life to focus on, is called the Great Commission. We're to spread the gospel. We're to spread the good news of Jesus with others. Uh, And God really is pleased when we do that. He really cares that we do that. That's one of our core stewardships in life, is to spread the message of Jesus. You know, but there's some other responsibilities that we have. Pleasing God uh, really comes as we learn to play our role well in a variety of areas of our life. One is our family life. We have some responsibilities in our family life. Another one is our church life. And so as we serve and as we help move and team with others to help move the kingdom forward, that's a responsibility that we have. Another is our civic responsibilities. We have some responsibilities, some duties, and every one of us, Can participate Uh, beyond even voting there are some issues that we need to be aware of in this upcoming election there are some propositions on the ballot this year there's some state issues some local issues that will really affect us for years and so this is a part of our stewardship we have a political stewardship that really is a privilege to participate in now regardless of the outcome of this year's election we can and we really need to trust God with the, with the outcome of it. Uh, doesn't mean, though, that we should just bury our head in the sand. Just because God is trustworthy doesn't mean we should just check ourselves out and not engage in the process. And so, you know, maybe you've thought to yourself, well, when Jesus walked on the earth, uh, he didn't cast a vote in the, in the, you know, for the Roman emperor. You know, he didn't uh, cast a vote. And so since Jesus didn't cast a vote, then we don't need to cast a vote. But the reality is, we need to keep in mind that Jesus, when he lived, uh, the Roman Empire, it was an entirely different form of government. Uh, But here in the United States, we actually have inherited really the blessings and the freedom uh, built upon our Judeo-Christian heritage. And even though uh, our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. We're citizens of heaven. We also, for a season, have a citizenship here. And so that privilege is really ours to engage in this process, to be informed about the issues, and to even play a role locally, regionally, and and on a federal level. Now, when you get into the Bible, Romans 13 is one uh, chapter in Scripture that reminds us that Uh, We are to submit ourselves to the governing authorities, and that there is no authority except from God, and that the authorities who exist are instituted by God. And so, when we vote, we recognize we're playing a part in this process of whom God will establish uh, to lead. Uh, We're involved in voting for not just the president, but a variety of people who play a role in governing in our country. Uh, Now, God. As we see, he rules over it all, and he works through those people who are in authority. Now, we don't always understand how this works, but we can understand that God is working. Now, uh, there are actually limits. Even though the Bible tells us that we're to submit ourselves to those in governing authority, there still are limits uh, for us as Christ followers as far as how far we are to follow. And as Bryce has been highlighting this passage walking through Acts chapter 4, you see those limits popping up. Peter and John, they hit a limit where it was really clear that they were at a crossroads. And, you know, the question for them was, do we submit to the authorities who were telling us to stop preaching in the name of Jesus? Do we submit to them in every instance just because they told us to do something? Or do we stay faithful to obey God's commands and Peter and John, in their case, they resisted the threats, they resisted the pressure to obey at all costs, and they continued to preach about Jesus and his resurrection, even though they were warned not to do that. And for them, it meant suffering. And what we're going to see as we continue to walk through the book of Acts and see this Christian history play out, we're going to see this clash of power uh it's going to just keep popping up where we see the authorities and the Christians, and there's a clash of power. Uh, but you know, there still is this uh, command for us to submit to governing authorities. And, so, and there's some things we need to understand about that area, but there also are some limits uh, to how far we can follow. Now, Christians of all centuries have really wrestled with this tension of carrying out our mission and really obeying God all within different forms of governments. So, you know, Christians in different countries right now are trying to figure out, how do I obey God with this form of government? Here in the U.S., we should exercise our rights to be involved in the process and really not just during an election year, but since it is just around the corner, we really want to help you prepare uh, for this year's election. And probably the the most pressing issue right now is to register to vote. Uh, In fact, there's still time to vote, to register to vote. Uh, But the deadline to registration is closing soon. And so here in California, the deadline is always 15 days before the election. And so you can do that by going to vote.org. And so you'll see the the website here. It's really important that you register. And once you register, just take you a few minutes to register. You'll be prepared to vote this year. And a couple of other resources that you'll want to check out are these. MyFaithVotes.org and then iVoterGuide.com. Really both are similar websites. Uh, they both are going to give you a list of policies that you're going to find on the ballot and the platforms of candidates in our area. And so it really is going to break down you know, what each of the candidates, from the president and then moving down to, to uh, regional and local leaders, uh, what, what do they stand for? Uh, what are their positions on the key issues? And, and we need to understand these. And so I encourage you to check out these websites, consider how to vote for candidates and ballot propositions which most closely uh, line up with a biblical worldview. Meaning, you know, what does God's word actually say about the issues that are on the ballot? Now, I'm praying for this year's election. I'm praying for you as you're wrestling through how to play your role. And, and I'm trusting God. I'm trusting him in the days leading up to the election, and I will trust him, and I'll encourage you to trust him after we see the outcomes.
1: I hope that was helpful for you, just to give some more practical guidance on what you can do. And those resources that Josh mentioned are also on the listening guide, so you can check out there. If you want, you know, just if you forgot what the resources that Josh mentioned, you can look there. Um, Those are real helpful guides. So I want to give you some next steps for today. And you can see this there listed on the screen. But here's some next steps that you can take. walk away with. The first one is to participate and vote in line with biblical convictions. And those resources that Josh gave are great to help you really sort that out. And the second one is just to trust God with the outcome of the election, especially if you find yourself having difficulty in despair or really frustration and anger. Then I just invite you to remember, read through Acts 4. Read through it. And just be encouraged that you really can trust God with what happens. And the last one is to be a bold witness about Jesus. Remember that our true hope is really found in him. And so be a bold witness about that. To close, I'm going to read what happens through the rest of the story and how it ends in Acts 4. And what happens is Peter and John gather together with the other leaders and they start praying. And this is what they pray. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So I invite you to respond to the difficult and trying circumstance that Peter and John did by praying for boldness and committing to be a bold witness about our true champion, Jesus at the end of acts this is what the final two verses say and this talks about another church leader paul but this is what it says he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of god and teaching about the lord jesus christ with all boldness and without hindrance the gospel continued to spread From that point forward and even to now, we're recipients of that blessing of the spread of the gospel that's continued on through many difficult circumstances throughout history. So let's pray. And as we pray, I'm just going to pray for boldness for all of us. God, we're just grateful for you. We are so grateful for your word. That your word gives us comfort and encouragement and help, Lord, especially in times of difficulty. God, I pray for all of us that we would remember that we can have hope and trust in you. That we can trust that you are at work. And Lord, we just pray that you help us to be bold witnesses. When we're confronted, when, when things are difficult, Lord, would you give us boldness? Would the spirit just strengthen us inside to be bold about witnessing for Jesus, our true savior and our true champion? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at OCCathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.